0: Kill the rat. Kill the rat.
1: Sup guys and welcome back to curiosity killed the rat we are here coming at you with episode 12 episode 12 <laughs>
0: that's a full dozen are that's we a, any that's cheaper? a full
1: no we're
0: not well like I mean
1: we were already <laughs> free so I yeah no I got the joke I got the
0: joke <laughs> but that's right um, we're as cheap as you can get you can listen to curiosity killed the rat for free on any streaming service zero but,
1: whole dollar. but dudes. you
0: knew that already because you're listening to this right now
1: whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> fourth wall breaking <laughs> the fourth wall breaking there's no fourth wall on a podcast there's no three walls what am I a, a, about?
0: there are no walls at all there's no visual representation of anything
1: you know what <laughs> so correct you make so the walls correct.
0: with your mind man <laughs> I suppose oh we boy. should introduce anyway, ourselves.
1: <laughs> we probably should. Sorry to anyone whose first episode this is awkward one to come in on. Um, but then again, not really, because this is who we are and how we are. We are weird. Um, and you're going to get used to that. I'm Kate. I'm the resident scientist of the show. Um, I'm an addiction neuroscientist. So I look at rats and alcohol. And uh, yeah, my curiosity has killed one or two rats. Cough cough, hence mm-hmm. the name of the
0: show. Yeah, funny that. I'm joined
1: by my lovely, my lovely co-host here.
0: G'day. My name is Matt. I am not a scientist myself, but golly heck, I do enjoy science. I enjoy learning all golly things heck? science. Yeah, golly heck, indeed, my guy.
1: So here we are, back after going dark for an episode to help try raise awareness of the Black Lives Na- Black mm. Lives Matter movement. Yeah. <laughs> stumbled over that um, because we think it's a really important issue and we didn't want to be stealing the thunder of, of the voices that really needed to be heard at that particular point in time Definitely. and just to emphasize just because we're back doesn't mean we don't think those voices need to be heard anymore those voices still need to be heard they always need to be heard they're gonna need to be heard you know just as much as our voices for the rest of time that's kind of the point
0: exactly but
1: nonetheless. Nonetheless, we are back to our regularly scheduled programming where we are going to be talking to you about some fun science and answering a listener question and, you know, the usual digs.
0: As much of a return to normalcy as one can be in this great year, 2020.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I say normal, but what the hell is normal for this year, right? And I think that's all right, you
0: know? The world is going through changes. That's the only way forward, right? The world has changed many times in the past, as science has shown to us, and this is just another period of what's the word a period of metamorphosis for the world the planet and societies as a whole and honestly and i think it's important and
1: needed very very needed in a lot of cases in a lot of ways but like what blows my mind though is that like even between you and i matt like you're over in western australia where Mm -hmm. you're pretty much covid free and mingling with big groups of friends and back at the pub and all those fun things whereas i'm in victoria where cases are spiking again we're getting essentially a second wave and you know i'm Mm. living in one of the hotspot council areas and so we've pretty much been put back into lockdown except for you know i still go into the lab which i'm i'm fortunate enough to be able to do but you know i'm not catching public transport i'm i'm actually running in because i'm a weirdo that likes (laughs) doing that but you know yeah it's it's still and you know i'm not allowed to work at my desk in at uni i'm still like it's go in do the lab work come home work from home and it's it's weird because i'm like yeah we're in this like accelerating yeah. i'm panicking again state whereas you're just like oh i mean, are, very things things are and a very much everything's sort of like
0: simmering down more or less like yeah you know, my work reopens again in a week i work at a movie theater and we're gonna you know mm. start serving people of the public again and it's been very interesting um yeah that's wild yeah
1: anyway anyway that's just a fun little like and these little, like, reflection, reflections at the start of each episode is just for our own benefit, listening back to our... <laughs> as we chronicle the year of 2020 through the lens of science. Yeah. Gosh.
0: Oh, boy. And what a year for science it's been.
1: Anyway, today's topic. Today's topic. Boomerangs and, and the science of boomerangs, Ooh, which yeah. is, like, super, it's really cool super, super interesting.
0: I have no freaking clue how boomerangs work and i was a physics Ooh. kid you know nice but i never did yeah, physics. yeah no I, I had no idea know how that the aerodynamics of how they are actually able to fly and then do their iconic coming back to you thing so yeah i'm super interested yeah. to learn about it
1: i i didn't know either because i'm not a physics kid as i <laughs> said i i'm a neuro kid but Oh my gosh, the journey in, in learning all this has got me like so enthused for just oh, come to This the, is so cool.
0: Come to the side of physics. Yes. Yeah, look. Come to the superior science.
1: Says the non-scientist.
0: Hey. I can still have <laughs> passions about scientists. science. Oh, you definitely
1: can. Thank you, you very much. Can.
0: Don't put me in a box.
1: No, I wasn't saying you couldn't be enthused about it. You were just telling me to come to the science that you're not at. You know, you can't, uh, you should say go to well, the, no.
0: the physics, it's just right? Like, no, like you're, you're, you're not
1: at the physics. You're not a physicist. It's sort of like,
0: point. well, look, it's just kind of like saying, you know, you play on the West Coast Eagles and I'm a Docker supporter. And I'm like saying, hey, come watch the Dockers with me. And you're like, hey, how can you say you support the Dockers when you're not even playing for them?
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't no,
0: have to be a footy no, player valid. to watch the footy. I don't have to be a scientist to be like, hey, come join the physics dark side, you know?
1: I just want to like apologize to any international listeners that we have that are like, what the hell are these teams? What is this sport? What do Australians (laughs) think is football? I don't understand. I don't even Um,
0: watch it. I don't even watch sports. I don't watch footy. (laughs) I just wanted to speak a language you would understand because you're the sporty one. Yeah, no, because
1: I do. I do watch (laughs) sports. Okay. Anyway, none of this is the point, except that you could say, Birman, did you know Boomerang throwing is, like, now an actual sport. Like, people do it for sport.
0: Oh, that makes sense, right? I mean, you've got archery as a sport and all of these old hunting things as sports now.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. And people, like, build different boomerangs that can do, like, different paths and stuff. And, like, okay, I'm going to hit you just with some, like, fun facts about, like, boomerang world records. Because these things, like, they fly and they fly well. And, like, Mm. that's kind of the point. So aside from the whole they curve around, and come back to you. I'm just going to straight up say, not all boomerangs do that. So right. when we think of a boomerang, we think, like, yeah, we think those 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 things that do the cool thing that come back to those you. Those large wooden um, macaronis and we often, that
0: always come back.
1: Yeah, and we often think of them as being, like, used for hunting, right? And But the imagery that you kind of get is that they get thrown at, I don't know, say, like, a bird or something. Yeah. They hit the bird, kill it, and then come back to you. But, like, that... That's not, nah, nah. Right. So there are boomerangs that are hunting boomerangs. They're not generally designed to come back to you. They're meant to fly. Well, right. and I
0: suppose even if it's a boomerang, whack your could target. Come back to you, and once it's hit it, that would throw off its momentum. And it would just kind of like. Exactly.
1: You know, exactly. So the, the boomerangs and the hunting boomerangs are, are, are actually kind of distinct, but right. none of that's the point. They, the point, the point of this is that they fly flipping well. So the boomerang, the world record for the furthest distance that a boomerang has thrown it has flown sorry is 427 meters which like to conceptualize that so a 400 meter running track is like a full like oval right a, a full, full lap all the around, way around an oval yeah is like that's like a 400 meter running track right so push that out into like a straight line and that's like a lot. That's a pretty flippin' long that's way for a tiny a little bit of wood like, to stay afloat. Yeah, yeah.
0: Man, you have um, and the, such the, a good the, arc on that.
1: Yeah, well, the, the, the time aloft record, so, like, the longest a boomerang has stayed in the air, is six minutes. Oh, oh, six minutes.
0: You could listen to all of Eminem's rap god in that time.
1: Yeah, I was thinking, like, Bohemian Rhapsody or something, but, like, that's a long...
0: <laughs> that's, that's a that,
1: long song.
0: Yeah, that is a long time for something... Something that doesn't have a motor to be able to be self-propelled through the air. Presumably, did Mm. they like throw it from the ground or did they throw it off a really tall cliff or something?
1: Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Because I I mean, gliders um... can
0: stay in the air for a very long amount of time and they don't have motors. Yeah. No, I feel like it would have been, it would have been
1: from level, yeah, no, it would have been from like level ground and it would have been, Like you could throw a
0: boomerang out of like an airplane and it would probably fall for a while, right?
1: Well yeah. But no, I think it would have been from like standing on the ground. Right. Flying. Right. That makes through. sense. So how do boomerangs fly? So before I before I explain how they do the cool rotatey turn back to you land back in your hand, fancy magic stuff, which I I will get to because that that ultimately is what piques people's people's interest, right, when they think about a boomerang. Because yeah. they're just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, lots of things fly, like aeroplanes fly. Like, and and the thing is, they fly, aeroplanes and boomerangs fly very much because of the same reasons, and it's because of the shape of their wings. So if you think about a boomerang, right, it's got essentially two wings that kind of join together at a point to form like an angle, a boomerang shape, but it's still two wings. A boomerangle. Yeah, they form a boomerangle. I like that. Okay, boomer. So, (laughs) aeroplanes... (laughs) Aeroplanes also have two wings, but generally not at not not at a boomerang angle. They're, you know, yanked out to the side. But the shape of these wings is the same, and it's this fundamental shape that like is the reason they fly. Right. Right? So you've probably heard we'll talk about an aeroplane for a second, right? Yeah. For an airplane to get off the ground, like there's four main sort of forces acting on an aeroplane, right? This is mm-hmm. this is like high school physics that I vaguely remember doing.
0: The word lift comes to mind.
1: Yeah, I was going to say you've got your lift pushing up Yeah, um, and then you've got like your drag and your thrust and those aren't important. We're just going to talk about the lift. So the lift is the, the force that goes up against gravity and right. and well so you've, lifts, yeah you've got the thrust the pushing
0: the f- f- plane forward you've got friction pushing against the plane in terms of air pressure yep. you've got gravity pulling the plane down and then lift yep. is what and actually makes it fly that's up. what pushes up underneath it so how how is lift yep. generated
1: so lift is generated by the shape of the wings right. which are a shape called an airfoil and it's the same shape that the boomerang wings are mm. right so an airfoil this is this is where this becomes like a real challenge for me because these these things are very visual and they're really really easy to understand. If I could show you a picture, but I can't because it's a podcast. The joys so, of the
0: limitations of an audio medium.
1: But that's how we end up saying things like soap sperm, and it you know exactly fills a hole. Um, and these are kind of spermy shaped as well, but not quite, not quite. So an airfoil—it's the fundamental is like, shape of, of life. <laughs> <laughs> think of a teardrop shape, right? right. So let's just think of it vertically hanging, like a teardrop coming down or a raindrop or something, right? That, that like, teardrop shape. Yeah. Now flip that 90 degrees so it's on its side. But, like, imagine you're putting it down flat on a table. So there's, I don't know, it's got a membrane or, like, a balloon or something holding it. So when you put it on its side because of the weight, the bottom becomes flat, but the top is still that.
0: So it's like if you, shape, took, a, right? if you took a bisection of a raindrop shape down the middle. So it's like flat on the bottom. So you've got a flat bottom.
1: Yeah. So it's a sideways teardrop, like with a flat bottom, but then that teardrop curve. So yeah, it kind of curves up, which is like the head, which is like, yeah, that's called the leading edge. And then the the trailing edge. Yeah. The fatter bit is the leading edge. And then it curves down into what's called the trailing edge. Right. Right. And that, that is an airfoil shape. And that is like fundamental to making anything fly. Or to, to generating lift, anyway. I won't say anything fly, because, like, birds right. and other other insects and stuff fly differently. But let's talk about, we're talking, like, airplane wings. We're talking helicopter blades. We're talking boomerangs. Mm-hmm. Airfoils. Super cool. So the reason that generates lift is it's traveling against the air. So if you think about an airplane, it needs, like, a runway. And it, it goes along the runway. And the air goes in the opposite direction. So the fat right. end, the, the leading edge. Yeah. Is going charging at the air, which and the feels counterintuitive, is, is right? Because behind.
0: at least in my mind, that's that feels counterintuitive oh, because does Aaron, it? Well. In terms of like just getting general aerodynamics right, you want the, the the pointy bit first. Get the wedge in there so more air gets past you, just so you can go faster. Yeah, but that's not. But think
1: about like that's
0: not with the goal think of. Think about okay. Lift. Think about
1: like time trial. So we called them sperm helmets. I used to do okay. Context for anyone that doesn't know my life story: I used to do cycling when I was when I was a, a junior in in high school and stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you know when you see cyclists doing time trials and they have those helmets that that have you know yeah. they're like a head. And they try it trails off, right? We right. called them sperm helmets because we were really mature. Mm. Yeah. Um, but they're called arrow helmets or spare whatever. But yeah, it's like the head, mm-hmm. but then it's got like a, a beak going backwards. Right. And it's that that sort of shape. And you're charging the head and the tail. So like you might think, yeah, you'd want the beak forwards to kind mm. of cut through the air, but that's that's not how it works. Because right. what happens with an airfoil as it's traveling in that direction through the air, mm-hmm. The air is going to hit the nose, right? It's going to hit that that bulb at the end. Yep. Half the air is going to have to go get pushed up and go over. Half yep. of it is going to get pushed below. Right. And what happens? Because of the curved shape of the top, mm-hmm. the air that gets pushed over the top travels faster and creates mm. a lower pressure. Whereas the flat bottom bit that hits the flat bit, it travels slower than the top air and creates a higher pressure below the thing so than above the thing.
0: Is it like higher pressure just because air is passing through there slower but the same amount of air is still having to hit the front of it and it keeps getting divided by 2. So the lower the the slower air on the bottom kind of keeps having to build up and stack up against itself meaning more air is getting kind of mm. dense under there which creates more pressure whereas the top more air is being able to pass over it and get out of that kind of closed system there. Mm-hmm. So there's less air, therefore less dense, therefore lower pressure.
1: Good theory, but kind of backwards. Okay. So it's not the speed of the air that causes the pressure. It's actually the pressure gradient that causes the speed of the air. So oh. if you think about it, think think about, you know, you have a chamber, Right. And, and the left-hand side of the chamber has high pressure, the low-hand side, the low-hand side? Wow, the right-hand side of the chamber has low pressure, and you put something in it, the high pressure is going to push the particle towards the low pressure, right? Right, because it's going to, like, squeeze that, it out. That's how it works, right? Yeah, because high pressure is going to try, you know, because fundamental things about, like, energy and, and mm. particles and air is that they want to spread out evenly. They like being evenly sort of distributed Everything and, 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 and dispersed. Everything tries to tend right? towards
0: equilibrium.
1: Exactly. So high pressure is going to, the all the pressure, high pressure is caused by like lots of air in a smaller space, right? Mm-hmm. And that's obviously going to want to move into areas of low pressure. Right. Because there's less things in a, like
0: in so the same space, right? So it wants to space, fill that right? void, yeah.
1: Yeah, so what actually happens is that pushes the air faster because it's actually the shape. It's that bulb head and then the the specifics. I don't understand the actual, like, deep, deep depths of the right. engineering physics that causes it, but it's the shape that causes right. the pressure. And you get higher pressure um, in that bit at the bottom. Okay. And you get, more importantly, lower pressure caused by the bulb. So the bottom, the flat bit doesn't necessarily cause high pressure, but the, the curve... Mm-hmm. The teardrop side, you know, the yeah. slippery dip on the top, that causes low pressure, which right. makes the air zoom down. And right. as the air zooms down, it causes this sort of like it pushes down on the trailing edge.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as because you know, if, what is it? Every action has an equal opposite reaction. Yeah, the pushing down of air on the top and the higher pressure below pushes up. It's from sort of like a like a sail thing.
0: So like it's pushing down on one end of the seesaw, causing the other end of the seesaw to come up. But Mm. in this case, it's just each side Mm. of the wing and that generates and that's lift. But it's just using the the air pressure and air currents itself. Holy shit, that's really cool. Holy shit. So you can do this really really cool cool
1: experiment, right? I watched I watched a YouTube video and like, okay, I'm gonna do this so on Zoom, Matt, you can see it. Everyone else will just hear it. (laughs) But you can get a sheet of paper or like a, a strip of paper, right? I've just got a receipt here because that's just what happens to be on my desk. And I wasn't okay. actually planning on doing this, but I'm going to see if it works for a demonstration.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Strip of paper, just a little receipt. It, I'm holding it in front of my mouth, but just below my mouth. So it's like on my chin, right? right. And it's flopping down like a big old so it, tongue. Yeah, it looks because, like you've got you know, a dog-panting right? tongue,
0: but just like stuck to your yeah. chin and it's a receipt. So if
1: I blow you know, with my mouth mm-hmm. across a, a rush of air across the top of this, this, this flopping down, bending receipt. Mm-hmm. What do you think will happen based on what we just said? What, like what's going to happen?
0: Well, I think the receipt is going to like become kind of taut and, and poke upwards, right? Because you're rushing yeah, gonna air fast over the top, which is going to create a low pressure system there thus mm-hmm. creating a high-pressure system underneath, mm-hmm. which is then going to do the seesaw thing and push the end of the receipt up. Mm. So ready? Yeah. Ah! It works. I mean,
1: Yeah. So, like, what you might initially, you know, intuitively think is that, okay, you're, I'm blowing on top of the receipt, that's just going to blow it down. But I'm not blowing down, I'm blowing across, across the airfoil, <laughs> and it lifts up.
0: I, I, yeah. just found, I just found a piece of paper in my room. It's just an A4 piece of paper that I folded um, in half a few times, so it's sort of a rectangle. And it's a bit stiffer, so it's not working as well. But Yeah, but it still... It still works. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. Oh.
1: So the point is, the wings of an aeroplane slash the wings of a boomerang have that airfoil shape, right. so when it flies through the air we're going to ignore the like you know the the fact that it rotates and moves and has torque and curves think about just like a flat boomerang like a stick with yes. that airfoil shape as it flies through the air mm-hmm. it's going to fl- the wind's going to fly over those airfoils and it's going to create lift yeah. based on the low pressure above and the high pressure and that's what keeps mm. it in the air
0: and in order to so, generate flight you just need to create enough to lift that's greater than the opposing force of gravity because that's all you need to fight against yeah. the constant force of gravity and if you can so achieve that So you know that, what's wild What the thornberries?
1: They, they found Aboriginal cave paintings from 50,000 years ago with with pictures of boomerangs on it. So I think the oldest boomerang that we've found is about 20,000 years old and it was actually found Wait, in Poland. 50, but there, th- there are Aboriginal
0: there Australian around Aboriginal
1: cave paintings.
0: We're talking like the really? megafauna era, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'll need yeah, to fact check well, that, but like... Yeah, fift- no, definitely there would have been because the... There were still woolly mammoths on the earth when the great pyramids of Giza were getting built, and that was like four thousand yeah. years ago, I think, well, or five thousand years ago. Ab-
1: yep, indigenous, this is 50, 000 Aboriginal, fifty-five-zero thousand 000 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's there's no guarantee. Oldest that, living culture know, the boom- on the
0: planet. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, well, I was gonna I was gonna say like, there's no guarantee that the boomerangs they were using fifty thousand years ago had this airfoil shape, mm. um, because we haven't found. The actual boomerangs we've just got paintings of that boomerang shape which right. on a cave you can't really tell whether it's got an airfoil or not but it's it's like fairly safe to assume that you know they had to fly somehow and this is how you know that's how it works someone just like made the right shape and was like oh this works so like indigenous people have maybe not necessarily understood the like nitty-gritty physics of this concept but mm. they they understood that it worked right like i think humans cool are good at
0: having an um, intuition for yeah understanding physical concepts like this and what science is just doing is finding a way to um chronicle it and explain it in and and understand the fundamentals so we can then translate that and use it for other purposes and things but we still have this innate understanding of how some of these physical forces work and act on us because we are living in that physical world and those forces act on Mm. us every day.
1: But I think this is where I'm gonna take a brief like sidebar story because I think it's important, especially within the current, you know, world that we live in Mm. about David Unipon. So you might not have heard of David Unipon. I I hadn't heard of him and I but I realized I recognized his picture because he's the guy on the $50 note, the Australian $50 note. Yeah. So there's two people on the on the $50 note. You've got you've got Edith Cowan on one side, um and then you've got the guy, the indigenous Australian, David Unipon. Mm. Um and there's a reason that he's on there because he was bloody brilliant. And if you didn't know what he was famous for, essentially he's famous for creating these like the modern sheep shears is his right. kind of biggest invention, but I don't think it's his most interesting. So he was an Aboriginal man, like I said, of the Naringeri people. Uh, apologies if I pronounce that wrong. Mm. But he was essentially regarded as Australia's Da Vinci or the Black Da Vinci because he was an inventor, among other things. He was also, you know, he did some awesome things for advocating for Aboriginal rights. And, you know, he also wrote some books and stuff. But what I think is interesting is his science or his inventions, because he's regarded mm. as an inventor, and throughout his life, he he. I think it was nineteen different like patents that he tried to get, and he ended up getting you know no financial support, no recognition for anything, right. and and a lot of this is be- because he was black, right? Yeah. So probably it was would actually have a out headline. quite different
0: if he was a white scientist.
1: I definitely think so, right? There was a headline at the time, like in this tiny like newspaper article, right, talking about him and and his science and stuff, where the headline was um, Australia's cleverest darkie. Oh
0: is, no. Oh that's so not bad. Well. That's that's a yeah. bit that's unfortunate.
1: Well that's the thing. And then within that article, they refer to him as like a full blooded Aborigine because the whole the whole thing was they thought full blooded quote unquote Aborigines were not intelligent enough to understand Western science. Um that in oh. fact required white blood because only white blood was intelligent enough to understand this stuff. And so he was this amazing exception because, you know, he was a full blooded Aborigine, but he was he was able to understand these concepts of western science which you know and he did this thing where he kind of he took these understandings of western science so he went and he learned about you know science and and physics and stuff from from books from europe um and then he applied them to aboriginal knowledge so stuff like the boomerang right Mm. and then he applied both this aboriginal indigenous knowledge and these like western science concepts and mushed them together to come up with these really really cool inventions that i think if they you know if we were a less racist country, yeah. um, we probably... So, like, for example, this is this is how this is all relevant. So I said, you know, he, he was most famous for coming up with these, like, sheep shears, which yeah. that's because they took off. Um, well, I imagine, I yeah, they must have been really big for,
0: like, the economy of Australia, especially around that time, because I think a yeah, huge aspect yeah. was livestock and drovers and wool exports and that kind of thing. Exactly. So I don't know enough um, so about that's what sheep he's- shearing, but I imagine it would be a pretty huge thing in the farming world. yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that's what he's most well-known for, even though he didn't actually get the financial payout that he should have from his own invention. Because, once again, black guy. Why would he? He was a full-blooded Aborigine. Um, But, no, this is how this is all relevant to boomerangs. He Mm -hmm. did this really... He... So... The first ever helicopter to be, you know, created was was in 1936. In 1914, 22 years, like two whole decades before the first helicopter, David Unipon conceptualized the helicopter. And he did this by applying the physics of a boomerang, a spinning boomerang, how it mm. lifts and also the like how it returns. And he applied this to the concept of, of a flying machine, um, which which we now you know is now the basis of a helicopter. So that's that's where the whole like black da Vinci thing comes from. Right, Australian because da Vinci, da Vinci had
0: like early plans da Vinci for a also theorized, well. you know, conceptualized,
1: yeah. But you know this is back like David Unipon didn't you know just steal da Vinci's ideas because mm. you know this wasn't necessarily um, he didn't necessarily have access to that. Yeah. Um, so of his own. So there's a quote I found a quote that was published in a, in a newspaper article that's a david unicorn quote where he says an airplane can this is 1914 remember 22 years before the first that that was uh just before the airplanes existed oh you're testing my history (laughs) knowledge of dates and it's embarrassing how bad i am (laughs) at it so um, i'm pretty sure world
0: war one started in 1914 i'm gonna die on this hill
1: So the David Unipon quote, so he says, an aeroplane can be manufactured that will rise straight into the air from the ground by application of the boomerang principle. The boomerang is shaped to rise in the air according to the velocity with which it is propelled, and so can an aeroplane. Uh. Um. And he had all these diagrams of it and stuff. And it, yeah. So, so what did and it look so- like?
0: Did it? Was it just like a couple of boomerangs on top of the thing, like a helicopter, or did it have more of a VTOL style vibe where it still had wings like an aeroplane but could also lift up off the ground?
1: No. So it, it didn't have side wings. The only wing, the wings were the the propeller or right. the, you know, the boomerang principle, the airfoil, the him, he understood this concept of lift and and the, the airfoil shape. I don't know mm. if he had the language for it then. I'm not sure if they called it an airfoil. I'm not sure when that language came in, but he understood the concept of this shape and the pressure difference and and the, the force of lift and, and how the spinning and the velocity can cause that direct vertical lift. Because aeroplanes, right, need a long runway because their wings yeah. stick out to the side and, and they need the wind to... So they need to be travelling forward very fast along a runway so that they get enough wind going backwards against the airfoil of their wings to cause them to lift. Whereas he's like, dude, if we just spin them above the thing, it'll just go yeah. straight up.
0: Well, because, yeah, um, a boomerang goes a lot further than like a paper aeroplane, I imagine, right? Yeah. Because a boomerang spins around, which I guess, yeah, that's like a helicopter blade, right? It, well, each that's, time, that's exactly... It's, yeah.
1: So each, so helicopter blades, if you actually like look at helicopter blades, they, they are all airfoils as well. So much, much like a boomerang and much like aeroplane wings, you can think of a, of a, of helicopter blades as just like super skinny aeroplane wings mm. stuck to a rotor in the middle and they, they spin and that so spinning motion moves them against the air. So the air rushes over the air. So it can generate its own lift. lift.
0: It doesn't need. Yeah the speed of, like, actually moving through yeah. space to do that because it can do that in a closed system thanks yeah. to power. Yeah, so, like, circles. an aeroplane
1: has these... Aeroplanes have these engines that create thrust to kind of push them forward. Air, mm. uh, helicopters don't need that. The helicopter engine is all about spinning that rotor, and the right. spinning of that rotor creates the, the thrust, essentially. Oh, the, that's the, why the, the turning
0: propeller on the back is 90 degrees in the other way, because it just so generates the helicopter lift doesn't, that just puts pushes either side right yeah that's how and that back that
1: back propeller is actually important so once again it comes back to that whole every action has an equal and opposite reaction so if you think of a helicopter um Mm. and a blade above it the blade spinning one way would act there would be just as much force of the helicopter spinning the other way so if you didn't have that back propeller the blade would spin uh, one way, and then right. the helicopter because would spin opposite the opposite reaction, direction. Because otherwise, yeah, the helicopter exactly. would just be
0: spinning around in the air. Yeah.
1: So that Damn, back okay. tail, that back tail propeller is actually to counteract that and hold the helicopter uh, straight.
0: That's and then cheeky. helicopters
1: aren't actually ne- aren't steered by that back thing. That back thing is just to hold it straight. It's actually steered mm. by tilting the top blade so you've got oh. you know your two boomerangs tied together that rotate and then yeah. as you tilt the different angles that moves the helicopter in different angles and that's the same principle oh. as why a boomerang will come back to you because of gyroscopic it's called gyroscopic precession. real quick right? before back
0: to boomerangs i just thought the, the shape of a helicopter itself sort of looks like an airfoil right if you think about how helicopters are shaped they've got that oh, yeah. big bulb at the front and then they go and taper out the back until there's a big long skinny tail the helicopter is just like one big airfoil
1: i guess in a way yeah i don't know because they're not cuz it's not like super smooth i don't know whether it, mm. it causes that same like pressure gradient or whether but it's but it might just help like, right as you're
0: going forwards you know create possibly, a little bit of lift possibly yeah or maybe I don't it's know. just Nothing- basic aerodynamics
1: I was going to say, nothing that I read specifically said that the shape of a helicopter, you know, had extra lift, but, Mm. you know, possibly. Um, But, yeah, so how do boomerangs come back to you? How do helicopters turn? How did David Unipon understand all of this? And why did nobody take him seriously? Because he was black. Um, (laughs) But so how does this work? When you think about it, throwing a boomerang, it has two different movements right two very distinct movements it has the forward movement because you've thrown it forward so it's traveling from you in you know a line away from you which then curves Mm. around but we'll ignore before the curve you know it's got that forward direction forward speed it also has a rotational speed because you flick the wrist as you throw it it like it tumbles
0: through the air yeah it
1: spins and that's fundamental to making the thing you know, to create that lift. gyroscopic precession. Well, no, no. The lift, so the lift, the lift is from the air rushing over the airfoils. Right. The curving is from the gyroscopic precession, which is important in having that rotation. So, think about your boomerang. You're holding the bottom wing. It's coming, yep. and it's coming back towards you, curving, and then the top wing is pointing up away from you. Right. Yes.
0: Yep, you throw so, your
1: boomerang, yep. it starts rotating. You have a top wing and a bottom wing because mm-hmm. you throw them kind of, it's not directly vertical that you throw them. You throw them at about a 20 degree angle right. because if you throw them flat, if you think about it, if you fro- throw them flat, like a, like a Frisbee, that's yeah. not going to work because all the lift will be below it and the thing yeah. will just go up
0: yeah. and then fall.
1: And that's, right. that's not very convenient Useful. or good or efficient. So, you throw it at this angle so that there's just enough lift Mm
0: -hmm. that it
1: stays up, but Mm -hmm. it's also tilted,
0: right? Right.
1: So, you throw it. Now, the top arm Mm -hmm. is moving faster than the bottom arm, and I'll explain how. Okay. So, the top arm, it's rotating away from you, and -hmm. it's also being thrown away from you. So, the two different- movements that it's got, the away from you movement and the spinning movement, the rotational Mm -hmm. movement, add together essentially, right? So it's moving really fast away from you because it's both rotating away from you and traveling away from you. The bottom arm is moving slower because it's rotating towards you, but being thrown away from you. So they kind of subtract from each other.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? I think So the top arm's
1: moving really fast because it's moving... So they're rotating. The top arm and the bottom arm are rotating at the same speed. Yeah. But one of them is getting also thrown at the same direction, and the other one's getting mm. thrown in the opposite direction.
0: Man, this is bringing me back to high Have school I lost physics. You? Learning. No, no, it's reminding me of like um, learning about vectors and all that sort of stuff. Like, oh yeah, I mean and all velocity, of that's... the idea of uh, 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 because
1: uh, I'm uh, vector, I commit crimes with magnitude
0: <laughs> and, and direction. direction. Yeah, it <laughs> <that> was like <laughs> a weird <laughs> concept, like that I didn't Best fully joke. understand until I did Love physics. The idea of a f- um you know what differentiates i think effect a vector from i can't remember what the other one is one just has a force behind it but a vector has force and direction and direction and direction yep. is a huge important aspect when it comes so mm-hmm. like that's the difference between speed and velocity speed is just a magnitude whereas velocity is magnitude and direction um mm-hmm. so yeah i'm, I'm getting that um, it. it's giving
1: yeah, yeah, so, like, vectors are, yeah, an important part of this, and that's yeah. that's why the top arm is moving faster than the bottom arm. Because, yeah. like, if you just say, oh, the top arm's moving faster than the bottom arm, it's like that, you know, yeah, it takes a bit of thinking to Yeah, because I didn't know why until
0: you explained yeah. that.
1: Yeah, so that's, what, once, a thing, once again, really hard to explain without a visual, so hopefully I've, I've done an all right job. Right. Okay, so you've got these two arms of the boomerang moving at different speeds. That's the Mm -hmm. important part is that the top arm is moving faster than the bottom arm. If you don't quite understand why or how, um, I'll link some good YouTube videos in the description that also have visuals that might help you wrap your head around it a bit better. But going back to our airfoil principle and, Mm -hmm. and lift. So the shape of the airfoil. So there's a few different things that change how much lift is generated. So, Assume that the shape of the airfoil stays constant because it does. Because on both wings of the of the boomerang, the airfoil is the same. And also it's rotating. So which one's the top and which one's the bottom changes depending on, you know, how far, what point in time you're at. Yeah. So that's the same. So a couple of different things can change how much lift is generated. One of them is what's called the angle of attack. So how tilted that airfoil is
0: mm-hmm.
1: compared to the direction that it's traveling. That way it's not so much important because the second one, which is also, which is, you know, what is important in boomerangs Mm. is the speed that the air is traveling against the airfoil. So the faster the aeroplane is traveling or the airfoil is traveling through the air, the Mm -hmm. more lift is going to be generated, which is why aeroplanes go like really fast on takeoff because they need to get that speed to generate enough lift to get them off the ground and to counteract the force of gravity, so the weight of the the aeroplane of the boomerang. Right. So now, remember how I said the two wings of the boomerang are moving at different speeds? Yeah. So that means that there's a different amount of lift affecting each wing of the boomerang. So the top arm that's moving hella fast will have more lift. The bottom wing that's moving hella slow will Mm. have less lift. Yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So... This differentiation in, in how much lift is being generated is what mm. kind of causes this, causes it to curve. It generates what's called torque, which, mm. you know, that's when we get into vectors and you can talk about how the torque, you know, is at an angle perpendicular to the direction of it. Th- that, that gets into, yeah. like, you know, deeper physics than I, you know, want, want to, to go into on this <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um But as the, as the lift is differentially affecting the two different arms of this boomerang... Mm. The top arm is going to come round and it's going to angle it. And so instead of just traveling straight ahead, because you've got this different amount of lift, it actually zoom, curves around mm. straight back to you. And yeah. that's, yeah, that's called gyroscopic precession, where it just goes and, and does that make sense? Did that make sense to you? Did I lose you on that? Because the top's I, moving I faster of, I, than the I, bottom.
0: Yeah. So that's that's and what so, gyroscopic de, de, de blah 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 is. So yeah,
1: gyroscopic precession. I guess I haven't really explained what that is. Mm. Um, I think because I didn't really want to get into the the physics of the vectors and right. the angles and the fact that you know. But yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a way to visualize it to conceptualize it. So okay. gyroscopic precession essentially it's it's to do with taking into the taking into account the fact that something is spinning. So a really good example in like a comic uh, sorry, a classic sort of way that's used to explain this is is a spinning bicycle wheel right and normally they do the experiment where you hang the spinning bicycle wheel and you you spin it but i I, I want to ignore that and I want you to just think about like a spinning bicycle wheel, but just like, riding a bike or or motorbike, right? You Mm. ride motorbikes, I I ride motorbikes. For me, visualizing like a motorbike was, was the the best way to understand this. It was like a light bulb moment. Mm. So you're there on your motorbike. The wheels Mm -hmm. of the motorbike are spinning, are rotating. So they've got this like rotational motion. So what that means is that when you apply a sideways force to the top of the wheel, so say you lean your whole bike. To the left, right? Yeah, that's You're essentially placing a sideways force on the top of the wheel. So if that wheel wasn't spinning, if you just had like a-, a or a motorbike just standing there, not moving, you push it sideways, it's yeah. going to fall over sideways. Yeah. But when you're moving, that's not what happens. Right. And that's because of this gyroscopic recession. What happens? What ha- You tell me, Matt, what happens when you lean your bike to the left, what happens?
0: You turn to the left.
1: You turn to the left, almost right. as though you've pushed the force- at the so the left force is like at the tip of the wheel, right? As though you've yeah. turned your handlebars to the left, but you haven't done that. You haven't turned your handlebars to the left. You haven't pushed the end of the wheel. You've pushed the top of the wheel, mm. but you've turned left. Mm. And that's because of this rotational thing. So, okay, this is where now your motorbike is the boomerang. Okay. So we've got this boomerang rotating through the air. Now, I already explained how the top one has more lift than yeah. the bottom one because yeah. it's moving faster. So what is lift? Lift is, is just a force. It's that's an off-brand pushing it, version of Silo. Right? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. But it, it's, it's a, it's a force that's pushing the side of the boomerang in a certain direction. Right. So the top of the boomerang is getting pushed more mm-hmm. than the bottom because there's more lift at the top. So it's like you're tilting it sideways. So you've got this spinning rotational boomerang that's spinning like the spokes of your motorbike wheel. Right, rotating through the air, and the more lift at the top is getting pushed. So instead of the, The but instead the boomerang falling flat like a pancake
0: because it's got it turns to the left, or it turns to the the right.
1: Yeah, Uh, it turns to the left because it's getting pushed by more lift from the left at the top. Right, just like a motorbike, but it's a a boomerang or anything because
0: gyroscopes, right? Gyroscopes, wheels, physics. It's universal, Physics. quite literally. Yep, yeah,
1: but there's so many things. Like, you have to throw it at just the right angle, with just the right yeah. speed, just the right spin. Which I've is never why successfully why been able to you know, throw
0: a boomerang back, back to me.
1: Yeah, I me neither, Me neither, but I also, like, I think I never learnt about any of this, like, airfoil wing. Like, I don't know Mm. if I was throwing it right or the spin. And I think now that I understand it, I kind of want to get my hands on a boomerang and give it a go again now that I understand the things that need to, you know, be in place in order to create that effect that you want. Mm. Like, that'd be cool, right? Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much, that's boomerangs. And like, yeah, there was a a lot in that that I think is hard to get without the visuals. So I'm just going to like chuck a bunch of, I watched a lot of videos and that's what helped me wrap my head around it. So I'm going to chuck a bunch of links in the description um, for you to watch some videos that might help explain it better. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully you got enough of an understanding. Um, Mm, Yeah. mm, Because.
0: Yeah. I mean. It's so
1: cool. I think it's so so cool. cool. Anyway.
0: No, that's crazy. No, I didn't. It it all makes sense now. Let's say we're just about at the time to shuffle along to the old listener question. Man, it's been a little bit since we've seen one of these.
1: Yeah. So you know, for those of you who haven't listened to us before or only maybe listened to our last couple of episodes, normally what we do is we we tackle a listener question at the end of each episode. And so the listener question I have today is from Sam, and it's what exactly are hiccups? And is there any scientifically proven way to get rid of them?
0: Right. So, I have no let's start idea. With,
1: yeah? Cool. This will be fun then. Hiccups. We'll start with the what 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 are they first, right? So, mm. they are essentially an involuntary spasm of of the muscle that makes you breathe. So, there's a muscle that sits like it's like a sheet, like a dome sort of sheet that sits at the bottom of your lungs and it's called your diaphragm.
0: Yeah, right?
1: And so when this with the muscle familiar with the diaphragm cool mm. so when when the diaphragm contracts right that that's what expands your lungs and and the air rushes in and then when mm-hmm. when it relaxes your lungs get smaller and the, and the air comes out and you know breathing it's a nifty yeah. thing so the diaphragm it's a useful muscle to have mm. um so hiccups is when the diaphragm muscle it like spasms and so the diaphragm will spasm, and then oh. that will lead to what happens immediately after the diaphragm spasm is that like your vocal folds. So there's like you've got these two little vocal fo- folds like in your in your throat, mm. and, and there's a gap between them that's called the glottis, and the vocal fo- folds immediately like clamp shut, and the glottis uh-huh. like closes, and that causes the like sound. Right.
0: <laughs> so is that that, the, that whole collective the, thing. <laughs> That, that's the vocal cords. That's what the vocal cords yeah. are, the vocal folds, yeah. and this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: so the, why the diaphragm do they spasms. close
0: when the diaphragm spasms? Why do they do that?
1: That is a really good question that people don't necessarily understand or agree with. <laughs> Okay. So there's there's actually, okay, sidebar, I wasn't necessarily going to talk about this, but it's interesting, right? So there are a couple of, there's sort of two main different theories about like why this, this has evolved to this, this mechanism has happened. So one of them is to do with, so we know that babies and infants like hiccup a lot and they like in, in the womb when, before, before babies have even been born, they, they hiccup and, and mm. they hiccup a lot more, you know, when you're young and when you're older, you don't hiccup as much. Right. Um, and so one of the thought and they they looked at there was a study done like last year pretty recently where they looked at you know the brain activity of of hiccupping babies essentially mm-hmm. and and they found that you know the neural activity in in the brain when when a hiccup happened was a lot to do with the processing of the the like hic sound and what they think what the researchers think is that this like diaphragm spasm and then the hic noise actually then teaches children to associate, like, that sound with, with the muscle movement and helps build neural networks that help us then, like, understand these internal body sensations. So mm. we, we use the Hick sound to then go, oh, something weird happened with my diaphragm. Oh, I'm suddenly aware that my diaphragm exists. And, and it te- essentially teaches children how to breathe, it teaches ah. babies how to control their diaphragm and to, like, you know, become aware of it. And therefore, right. you know, control. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the theories we don't necessarily know. And then, you know, humans, humans, what am I saying? We're all humans. Adults mm. weren't able to shake that thing. Cause it's, yeah, it's just a, and so this whole like diaphragm pairing with the sound helps babies learn how to breathe. Um, the other theory is that it was actually in evolution. It was like a thing left over from evolution that we don't really use anymore because, and it was from when we were before creatures were on land, when we lived in the sea, it was mm-hmm. beneficial to be able to like, or as we were just like emerging from the sea, sorry, to like take a gulp of air, but then have the glottis close straight away to stop any water rushing into the lungs. Right. So it's this like breathing, but then closing, which is there's a little, I don't know. There's still some evidence to suggest that maybe maybe that sort of mechanism stems from there, but I think the the baby's one is a leading theory at the moment. But essentially, we don't know. We don't really understand. Right why it happens. Um, all we know is that it does. And that's that's what the hiccup is. It's a spasming diaphragm followed by Mm. the
0: uh, So what sort of things can cause your diaphragm to spasm like that? How come it happens if you Um, like drink lots or something like that?
1: Well, yeah. So like think about the things that people generally associate with causing hiccups. It's, you know, you eat or drink too quickly. Mm. So that stretches your stomach. And you know, your stomach is right below your diaphragm. So the stretch of the stomach you know, has been suggested to sometimes like trigger this like spasming um, mm. of the diaphragm, or like really intense emotions, like sobbing, that you know uses these muscles of your body as you're like crying and sobbing, and that can sometimes lead mm. to hiccups
0: because you're right. using yeah, these
1: muscles sense. in a way that's you know they're not oh, necessarily like not regularly used. If in, you right? like
0: overuse it, you can cause spasms, including the yeah, diaphragm.
1: Exactly, and mm. so that's that's what a hiccup is. Mm. What, the second part of the question, like, is there a scientifically, you know, shown way, proven way to get rid of them? Mm. (laughs) Yes and no. So there's, there's, there's theories as to why, you know, hiccup cures that people swear by, you know, why they make sense and why they may help. But science hasn't necessarily, you know, proven one one. To be completely effective, one hundred percent of the time, or any to mm-hmm. be better than the others. So, like you know, let's think about some of the some of the common known cures for hiccups. So you've got the jump scare; that's the obvious one that everyone knows. You scare someone, mm-hmm. your hiccups go away. Essentially, that one works on the principle of like distracting your. It's essentially distracting your nervous system mm. because when when you know every muscle requires nerve activation in order to to do the thing and the diaphragm is controlled by what's called the vagus nerve which kind of travels down your neck and it controls your breathing and a couple of other key things um and and the and so by you know scaring someone you kind of activate the fight or flight response and mm-hmm. and the whole like theory is that it kind of it distracts the nervous system and like reboots it enough to stop the spasming and the overshooting of Diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Um, then, like, there's also apparently if eating a spoon of like peanut butter, or I read eating a teaspoon of sugar. I've never actually heard this one, but yeah, me neither. It's like eating something that's that's a little bit weird and uncomfortable. So, like, swallowing mm. a whole like spoon of sugar granules, or a okay. spoon of peanut butter, or you know, it's a weird enough sensation that yeah, it essentially the theory is it distracts your vagus nerve and and draws you know
0: so that it and what it, about like our childhood remedy that we've always used of drinking water cup, upside water. down yeah yeah
1: so drinking water upside down or even just drinking a really big glass of water or holding your breath they mm. all work via a similar principle of they increase the amount of CO2 in your body so think about it you're drinking a massive glass of water um, mm. the drinking upside down kind of combines the fact that it contracts your muscles in a weird way plus um, you know, it stops you breathing. When you're drinking, you're not breathing, right? right? When you're holding your breath, you're not breathing. When you're not breathing, you're not getting any extra oxygen in. Right. But respiration is still happening in your lungs, so you're producing mm-hmm. CO2. So right. when you hold your breath or drink a big cup of water or whatever, mm-hmm. there's going to end up with more CO2 in your body and less oxygen. Right. Now, the cool thing about, like, breathing, it's not actually, you know, so when we, you know, are desperate for air, like say we're, drowning not to be morbid but you know any any instance where you're like gasping for air it's not because your body's gone shit man don't have enough oxygen it's actually mm-hmm. because your body's gone shit man i have too much carbon dioxide and right. that's what regulates our breathing is we have sensors for how much carbon dioxide. And when we have too much carbon dioxide, we go, oh, shit, need oxygen. And all right. we need to expel the carbon dioxide. So holding your breath or or drinking water or whatever, it, it builds up the amount of, like, carbon dioxide that's in your body and therefore mm-hmm. essentially, like, tells your breathing mechanism to get its shit together. Like, it's nice. it's pretty much like, you know, it's like man, we need to regulate this. Your breathing's not working properly. We have too much carbon dioxide. Um, And so by regulating your breathing, because the diaphragm is the muscle responsible for, you know, regulating your breathing, it kind of reboots the system. And, yeah. And so that's Mm. why those ones... Yeah, so well, there you go. That's essentially that's essentially it, right? It, it's yeah. There's no there's no sort of proven. No, so a lot of ambiguity in that answer. No, we don't really understand why we hiccup or how that you know why that happens, and no, we don't really under we don't have a scientifically proven way to fix it. But we do because like yeah, it's one of those things as that's far just as science. medical conditions go. Hiccups are not super concerning. Like, they're uncomfortable, they're annoying, but they normally go away pretty quickly. It's only very rarely that people have these issues where they hiccup for weeks and weeks or sometimes years on end, right? That happens very, very rarely. And even when it happens, like, it's annoying, but it's not going to kill you like it's not that bad so there's not a lot of research as to the science
0: of hiccups yeah
1: because it's just not a priority right like you know i talk about funding and research a lot and a lot Mm. of you know part of science is is convincing people that your research is worth funding and i guess hiccups and people in the hiccups just generally curiosity
0: is not a big enough reason for people want to fund your research
1: yeah there's not huge philanthropic organizations that are like oh i know someone that died of the hiccups here find a cure like <laughs> that is the answer to the question. So hopefully that answered your question, Sam. But, uh, you know, if you guys have a question, a listener question, any question at all, so- well, science related preferably, uh, you can email us at curiosityrat at gmail.com and we'll tackle those questions in a future episode. I love getting questions. Shoot them at me, fam. Yeah. Hell yeah. you know... It- yeah, if you enjoyed the show, you want to find us more. You want to see more of our content. You know, keep keep your finger on the on the pulse of what we're up to. You can find us on social social media. What the hell is that? Why can't I word? It's social media a that's a little
0: bit more soulful.
1: Yeah, soulful media. Um, you can media. find us on the twit.
0: Oh no! <laughs> Who am I? Oh, I don't like that. I don't <laughs> like that at all. No, nope. no. Nope. The twit, I am... <laughs> the inst, and the face
1: yep you can find us on the twitch at curiosity rat on the inst at curiosity rat or on the face curiosity killed the rat we're we're not to
0: mention that you can listen to us on the spot the app (laughs) the sound or the (laughs) you so just to translate that's spotify apple podcasts soundcloud and youtube
1: yeah. Just, you know, I just yeah. wanted to stay
0: in theme with uh, you know, I that brilliance brilliant naming structure <laughs> you had. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> Catch you next Fortnite. Bye. Curiosity.
1: Kill the Mac.